still loads to do? Who feels like you've really got a handle on it? Who feels like a bit of both? So I, I made the Christmas cake in October. I am a grown-up. On the other hand, I had finished all my advent calendar chocolates by the third. <laughs> what can you do? So we'll be here, as you know, on Christmas morning, which is one of my favourite services of the year. It is just bonkers. Seriously. If you haven't been on Christmas Day before, please come. Even if you only come the once just to say you've been, it is just crazy. I have no idea which fantasy film characters are going to turn up and pretend they were always part of the nativity, but there's usually some. Um, and I don't know about Christmas and being ready for Christmas, but some people in this very church are very, very ready for next year. I know. Weird. But um, I was coming through coming through the building a few weeks ago and got to the door, at the, obviously, outside at the lobby. And as I was walking through the lobby, there's a man sitting down who I've known for a long time and he's one of the leaders here, a very, very wise, experienced, lovely man that I love talking to. And he said hi, so I said hi. And so I kept walking through to coming through here. And then I realized he'd followed me. Katie, Katie, I want to tell you something. Fine, tell me. I just want you to know that uh, by May next year, we will have paid off all our debts. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? Isn't it great to know that God is doing something in your life and it's okay to say to somebody, this is what God is doing in my life. You know, we defeat the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. It's okay to testify to the things which are still to come. If God is doing something in your life and it's not finished yet, we can name it. We can celebrate it. We can testify to God's grace and give him the glory before it is finished. Because it helps us and it celebrates the glory of God to name the things that God is doing in our life. Light is coming, we heard a few weeks ago in the run-up to Christmas. We celebrated on the carol services, light has come. And we know, those of us who said yes to Jesus and have a relationship with God, we know deep in our hearts that light will come again. Light is coming for you in the next year. And some people like that man already know a little bit of what that looks like. God is going to do good things in your life next year. God has already done good things in our lives this year. We have also, many of us, walked through some very, very hard times this year. And it's probable that hard things will happen again next year. But that's where we live. We live in this combination of the messy and hard nature of life and the glory of God and knowing that light will come again. Let's turn to the word. We're in the book of Matthew this morning, chapter 24. So if you have a Bible with you, which nobody does anymore ever, <laughs> um, you're welcome to look at it on your screens these days. I was brought up, I don't know if you were, but um, to take a Bible to church, an actual Bible made of paper, which had, when I was a child, many, many stickers, many stickers. We won't talk about the tambourine, but yeah, that happened. Nowadays, it's all on the screen, so it'll be up on the, on the wall. Let's throw that up. Matthew 24, verses 4 to 6. So Jesus is talking to his friends, people who do know him and love him, and he says to them, Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah, 
and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Okay, so that's a nice, easy passage, and we all know immediately what it means, don't we? Complicated. You know, when the preaching rose came around and I saw this was my chapter, I was like, thanks. <laughs> that's a doozy. <laughs> but uh, you know what God is saying here throughout the chapter in lots of different ways? Jesus is telling us that God holds the future. God holds the future. And the future is full of exciting and joyful and good things to come. And the future is messy and complicated and holds some pain. And there are times when we go through, in situations which we all go through frequently, where we feel like the future is very uncertain and it can become a bit scary. I'd love to hear from one of those stories today. Let me introduce you to my friend Adana. Everyone say hi, Adana. Can we give Adana the mic, please? Hello? Yes? yes. She's on. Brilliant. So, hello. Hello. Adana is just back from uni. She got back yesterday for Christmas. Hooray! It's that time of year. People are coming home. So, um, tell us, you went through a bit of a difficult time this year, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Good. 
So with honour, I'd love to just pray for you briefly. Can I just put my hand on you? Thank you. So, God, we bless what you're doing in Adama's life. And we thank you for your direction, your purpose, your destiny for her. You are so faithful. You have never left her, and you will never leave her. We thank you that her future is secure in you and that she is going into good places. You take her from strength to strength, from glory to glory. And we celebrate with Adana this Christmas of your, to your goodness in her life. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank, thank you. you. Even when life feels very uncertain and you have a plan and you've done all the things that you're supposed to do in the plan and it feels like a good plan, God couldn't possibly object to this plan and everything seems fine and yet it goes wrong. Even in that uncertainty and anxiety and stress, as we heard from Adana, God goes before us. He knows what's coming. He is ready and he holds the future. I don't know if you remember a few weeks ago, Andy announced that a friend of ours called Paul, who used to come to this church until he moved away about 18 months ago, had died. And he died fairly suddenly. He was taken ill. And just um, on the Tuesday morning, those of us that had been quite close to him and his family all got messages to say this has happened and he's in the hospital. And so, as you'd expect, people were praying and went to, some people went to the hospital and the family were there. And during the Tuesday, the medics did what they needed to do, and overnight, on the early hours of Wednesday morning, Paul died. And we will hold a memorial for him in January, and we'd love to see you there. On the Thursday, between the Tuesday and the Wednesday morning, on the Thursday evening, I was up in London, and I met my friend Amanda, who is part of this church, and we were doing something together. And as we were moving from one place in London to the other, um, on the Jubilee Line, on the escalator going down to the platform, um, I said to Amanda, oh, I don't know if you've heard, do you remember Paul? But yes, because I never really knew him particularly well, but um, what's going on with them? Because I woke up in the middle of the night and I couldn't get back to sleep until I prayed. I said, what? <laughs> and she said, yes, it's really weird you should mention him because I haven't thought about him for ages. But the other night, I woke up in the night and I was just thinking about him and his family and God asked me to pray for them, and I prayed and prayed and prayed before I went back to sleep. So I said, when was this? She said, the early hours of Wednesday morning. God holds the future. He knows what we need. He is ready. He surrounds us with his love, even when we don't know it. Even when the people who are battling in prayer on our behalf don't really know why God is asking them to pray for us. But God is ready. And he knows what's coming. It's like that verse that we remember at Christmas, when, if you remember, the angel comes to Mary and starts telling Mary about the baby that she's going to have. And he says that one of the things that this baby will be called is Emmanuel. God with us. Emmanuel. And in those moments when God asks us to step in and to pray or to serve or to honor or to bless somebody, we have no, we have no knowledge of the reason why. That's Emmanuel. That's the Holy Spirit turning up because of the birth and the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, which means that God is with us. Some of you, when you heard that story just now, your heart leapt a bit. I'm very excited about that story. I wonder if some of you, some of us, are being called by God to step into this. 
in the next year. But these are people who will, the Bible calls us intercessors, who will pray for somebody, often without even knowing why, but to be open to being woken in the night, to being stopped in our tracks, to just pray without always understanding or knowing. Emmanuel, God is with us. And in that chapter of Matthew 24, there's a lot of drama and imagery. But to be honest, we're not exactly sure what it all means, other than to acknowledge that life is messy and the world is always going through turbulent times. We saw in that passage mention of wars and rumors of wars. There have been very, very few year, years in the whole of history where there hasn't been a major war in some parts of the world. This is always true. We are always going through these turbulent times. Always. And it is always true that the light is coming. The light will come again. It is always true that God is taking us somewhere good. Both of the things are true. Life is hard and messy. And we see things that we think, oh my goodness, I can't imagine. How can life carry on now that this has happened? Big things in the world, little things in our own lives. And yet God is always faithful and always with us. Let's take a look at some of that. Matthew 24, verse 36 and 40 to 41. So, Jesus says, we're not supposed to really understand all of the detail. It is a mystery. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Then a few verses later, two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two men, two women will be grinding with a handmill, one will be taken and the other left. So if you were brought up, I mentioned taking my Bible to church and my tambourine. If you were brought up in the kind of family I was, which was a loving, wise family in many ways, it's possible that you had an experience similar to mine regarding this. It's very easy to beat ourselves up and become fearful when we read these sorts of verses. So I have been taught very literally about this verse as a child, that it will be literally true that some people will disappear one day, those that know the Lord, and everybody else will be left. And um, to the point that when I was, I must be, I'm trying to remember how old I would have been, remembering it by the house we lived in, you know how you do, you think, well, we moved when I was seven, I must, so I must have been about six, and my sister would have been about four, and we couldn't find our mum one day, we just couldn't find her, you know, like, just out the back or something, but we looked, it felt like we looked for ages and couldn't find her, we looked under the bed. Why would she be under the bed if she wasn't under the bed? <laughs> couldn't find her. And we kind of looked at her and she went, oh. And we both thought, what if Jesus has taken her and he's not taken her? It's not good. It's not a good thing to tell a child. It's not a good attitude to have towards our God and Father who made us and loves us, loves us and who knows us and holds our future. Fear is not the way into God's family. It's not the invitation to heaven. Love is what God offers us. Welcome is the invitation. Peace is the promise. Forgiveness is the deal. Mercy. Faithfulness. Provision. Good, good, good things are what God has for us. Fear is not in God's package at all. In fact, we know that when the light comes, the darkness cannot hold it. 
there is no darkness in the presence of God. Perfect love, the, God that, the love that God has for us, casts out fear. If there's anything or anyone in your life, or any kind of conversation that you find yourself in, which is making you fearful, it might be worth checking in with God about that. Because God is not in a conversation that's full of fear. God does not send us um, a message that will terrify us. He offers us an invitation of love and grace and peace. Earlier in the same chapter, Matthew 24, verses 23 to 25, we see Jesus specifically talking about this. Because, of course, as some of us know, there's a whole industry based around this whole thinking. And some of the films and the books and the radio shows and things like that, to be honest, they are a bit scary. And I wonder whether they're designed to make us feel intimidated. Jesus says, at that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Messiah, or there he is, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you ahead of time. This is not something that needs to hold our attention. The detail of what's going to happen and what day and how it's going to look and who's going to be wearing, what we'll be wearing and will we be allowed to eat and that Jesus specifically says nobody knows that. So if someone tells you they do, I would worry if I were you. Jesus says, nobody knows, not even the angels in heaven, not even the Son, only the Father. We can trust in God because God holds the future. Do you remember in those first verses that we read, Jesus specifically says, do not be alarmed. He tells us these things to explain that there is a mystery about the future and that we can have absolute confidence in the God who loves us and we can trust the one who made us and we can believe in the one who guides our steps because God holds the future. We can recognize that life is messy and turbulent and hard, and we can have hope because the light will come again. God is taking us somewhere good. Light will come again. Finally, Jesus calls us to keep going. Matthew 24, verses 45 to 47. And I'm sorry, but I put the wrong verses at the top of the slide. Forgive me. Um, who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. I don't know if you remember if you've read the Bible many times or particularly the stories that Jesus tells his friends and the people who are listening to him teaching. Jesus a, a few times talks about kind of master and servant, and he talks about work as an example of being invited into the plan that God has for the world, that there are things for us to do. And it's quite tempting, perhaps, for some people, and I've met people who are a bit like this, who think, well, you know, God holds the future, so, you know, I'll just leave it to him. I'll just kick back, eat the cake, take the rest, you know, whatever. God will sort it. Don't really need to worry about it. There's a difference between finding peace in the complexity and the mystery of life and just switching off altogether. And Jesus is very clear here that there are things for us to do, that we are to keep going, that he is inviting us into the story, into his purpose, into his plan for all of creation throughout history and eternity, 
all around the world. We know what we're called to do. We're called to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. We know where we're called to be, to go out into all the world and preach the gospel, here locally, in the region, around the nation, and to the ends of the earth. We know what God has asked us to do. And Jesus is saying here, keep going, keep doing it. When the light will come again, be busy, be active, be productive, be in the story that God is telling. Maybe you're wondering how to do that and how you fit in. Maybe our prayer for ourselves and each other over Christmas could be that the Emmanuel, God with us, would show us something more of his purposes in our lives. Invite us deeper into his story. Show us something that he is doing around the world or in our own family or in our school, in our workplace, in the shops that we go to. Something we haven't 